Welcome to the Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast brought to you by FTR, where we share timely transportation intelligence with you on a weekly basis. The Rail Market Update is hosted by FTR's Vice President of Rail and Intermodal, Todd Tronowski. As Todd presents the information in the podcast, you can follow along and review the graphs and indicators by downloading a PDF or PowerPoint version of the presentation from our podcast landing page. A link to the PDF is available now at www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. From there, you can also find past episodes and downloads of the Rail Market Update, as well as the weekly trucking market update with Avery Vice and much more. That link again is www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the FTR State of Freight Rail Market Update Podcast. As always, I am your host, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal at FTR, Todd Tronowski. Thank you for joining us this week. Hopefully you had uh, some nice time off last week. I uh, got some food, got some family time, watched some good football. Hopefully it was a very relaxing break for you as now we're into the sprint to the end of the year. We've got these last uh, couple, four weeks to get through here before we will be talking about 2023. Uh, hard to believe that 2022 is almost over, but alas, here we are uh, on the cusp of the final month of the year. So let's... Let's dig right in. Let's jump right in. Obviously, uh, just like the Thanksgiving leftovers, uh, the numbers this week, uh, they are sort of the, the picked over leftovers. They represent the Thanksgiving holiday week. Uh, so they don't tell us a whole lot about where we're headed. But we didn't talk about the numbers last week, so we're going to talk about what happened in the pre-holiday week as well as what happened in the holiday week and what that might mean for us uh, going forward as we go through these last four weeks of the year. And we can't, uh, we can't ignore, we can't not talk about uh, labor issues. Certainly they are top of mind this week. Uh, just earlier this week, uh, the House approved uh, several pieces of legislation, two in particular. Uh, one that uh, imposes uh, the, the PEB contract terms upon, uh, upon the, the, the four unions that have not ratified the tentative agreement that was uh, reached uh, and ratified by eight other unions uh, between September and now. And another piece of legislation that would uh, add seven additional sick days to the tentative agreement that was agreed uh, back in September. Both pieces of legislation passed the House. Uh, they now go to the Senate, and it will be very interesting to see what transpires there. Uh, for those of you, I'll spare you the gory details uh, all of the, the, the minutia that goes into congressional procedure. But in the Senate, uh, any senator can object to legislation. And Senator Sanders of Vermont has talked about uh, objecting to any sort of imposition of terms uh, that did not include the additional, uh, the additional sick leave, the additional uh, sick time over and above uh, what the Presidential Emergency Board recommended and over and above the tentative agreement that was uh, that was agreed to by the parties, the unions and the carriers, uh, back in September. So it will be very interesting to see uh, how it moves forward. Certainly, a combined piece of legislation with, uh, with a, a, temp- a temporary agreement uh, and the additional sick days uh, as a batch certainly would not have the votes in the Senate. It would be dead on arrival. And so how the Senate navigates uh, that process over the coming days will be 
uh, will be very interesting because as we get to the weekend, if we don't have a resolution and we don't have uh, visual acquisition of a uh, of an agreement, then that would become uh, where you start to start to see embargoes again come out from the carriers for certain types of shipments, particularly those of you in the chemical space, those of you in the toxic by inhalation chemical space, poison by inhalation chemicals, things like ammonia, things like chlorine, uh, even things like styrene and benzene that are uh, a little less a little less flammable, a little less dangerous than the real, you know, the real dangerous chemicals like chlorine, uh, you could see those start to have issues as well uh, as soon as Sunday or Monday if uh, there isn't clear line of sight that Congress is going to uh, move forward and uh, impose contract terms on the remaining unions. Now, the important thing to remember here is that uh, the agreement, if Congress does not come to uh, an agreement here, is not able to get something passed in the lame duck session, 12.01 a.m. December 9th, that's when uh, the unions can go out on strike or the carriers can lock out uh, their employees. That's next Friday. So just keep that in mind in the back of your head. Uh, if Congress is unsuccessful to pass anything, that is uh, sort of the zero hour you have to, to narrow in on and keep your focus on uh, as we go forward over the next over the next week or so, we would expect to see a very similar uh, staged shutdown among the carriers that we saw back in September, where certain types of shipments, intermodal shipments, start to roll off earlier. And then as we get closer, uh, you start to get into things like grain and coal and other uh, bulk unit trade shipments as we go through the week. Again, if there's no sign of an agreement, it certainly appears as though the sides are not going to be able to resolve this on their own at this point. It seems as though there's going to have to be either some congressional action uh, of that nature to get things uh, to get things moving, to get things uh, signed and over the finish line before we get to before we get to next Friday. So let's jump in and let's talk a little bit about volumes and where we are. First of all, intermodal. Uh, we ticked up a little bit in the pre-holiday week. But really, not anything meaningful. A couple thousand carloads, uh, if anything at all. Less than, you know, less than one percent in a three hundred and forty thousand uh, carload a week market. So not really anything of great significance there. But it did, it did tick up just that little bit. And then we had the holiday week, and as expected, it fell off the table. It fell off the table like a good twelve to six curveball uh, came right down, basically right in line to its 2021 result, uh, well off the five-year average. It should uh, kick right back up in the way this week. The question will be, where does it kick up to? Does it kick up to those lower levels, right around 340,000 carloads a week that we have been running at right before the holiday? Or do we get back to closer to something near 360,000 carloads a week, which is where we had run for most of the year? That'll be the question that we'll keep an eye on as we get out of the Thanksgiving holiday, as we start to lift some of the uncertainty around labor issues and see what intermodal does over the last four weeks, the last four weeks of the year. You certainly would expect to see a little bit of upward momentum above that 360 number, all things being equal. Personally, I don't think we get there. I don't think that's where we end up over the last four weeks. I may be wrong about that, but I just... I don't see it based on all the fundamentals that are on the table and all the uncertainty that's out there right now. On the trailer side of intermodal, uh, we, we took a much more noticeable 
tick up than the overall uh, intermodal business did in the pre-holiday week. A nice, uh, sharp uptick, up closer to 16,000, 17,000 trailers a week. That's a, a little bit above where we had been running, closer to about 15,000 or so trailers a week for much of the last quarter or so. The holiday week obviously depressed that back closer to about 14.5 or so. Uh, we would expect, again, to see that rebound, to see that bounce uh, in the, in the post-Thanksgiving holiday period. A time will tell just how much we see. As we talked about back in September, a trailer is the most convertible piece of equipment out there. It has tires. It has wheels. It can very easily uh, go behind a Class 8 tractor rather than uh, move by rail, and that is certainly something that we could see happen, particularly with the ongoing uncertainty around the strike where trailers have a sort of delayed reaction, a delayed recovery from the Thanksgiving holiday. As we go through the next week or two, uh, time will tell. We'll definitely keep an eye on that for you here uh, here on the podcast. On the container side of the house, uh, you would expect this number to look very much like the overall Intermodal number, and alas, it does. A little bit, ever the slice of an increase in the pre-holiday week, and then a dramatic uh, fall off the table uh, trajectory in the holiday week. Uh, you would expect container to parallel overall intermodal uh, very closely because containers are 90% of the intermodal market. If it didn't parallel uh, overall intermodal very closely, you would look at that chart and say, you know, you know, Todd, something, something's wrong here. Your numbers are off. Well, luckily for me, uh, they're not off. Uh, the, the, the trip to Finn, the, the, the Thanksgiving coma did not uh, gum up the works, did not gum up the, the data analysis process this week. Uh, certainly, containers do uh, continue to adhere to the overall intermodal trajectory. So let's switch gears out of intermodal. Let's talk a little bit about the carload markets. Let's talk about uh, where we see things going as we go forward. Because overall carload, very much like overall intermodal, essentially just follow that same trajectory. We had a little bit of bump up in the pre-holiday week, and then we went right back down, uh, right back down to the holiday week, as expected, but certainly a little bit sharper than we have seen historically, a little bit sharper than we would have expected, uh, given the five-year average. It's as though it's as though the carload markets took a, a, took a Nick Delorier punch in a fight. Uh, for those of you who are hockey fans out there in the industry, you'll know who Nick Delorier is. Uh, a prominent fighter, a prominent fourth-line uh, heavyweight forward uh, out there in the NHL. Uh, certainly, that is what the, the blue line looks like in the last week. It's certainly uh, down dramatically, uh, like it took a good, a good right-hand shot to the head as it uh, came out of the uh, pre-holiday period. We'll have to see what happens post-Thanksgiving. We'll have to see uh, just exactly how strong we recover to. Carload, remember, has the same uncertainty factors around labor as intermodal does. Uh, certainly, there isn't a shipper out there that wants to see uh, their traffic, their freight delayed uh, because of a labor disruption. And so we'll have to see how strong the recovery is uh, in the carload space, how, how strong that, that, that bounce back is. Let's talk about economically sensitive freight. For those of you who I may not listen to the podcast on a regular basis. You may look at this and say, Todd, what are you talking about? What is economically sensitive freight mean? Well, let me tell you. For us at FTR, when we talk about economically sensitive freight, that means we exclude the agriculture, we exclude the coal, and we exclude the petroleum. We look at just those sectors that are more closely tied to the underlying economy. 
Things like metals, things like automotive, lumber and wood, pulp and paper, stone, sand, and gravel, those sorts of sectors that are, are more directly, more closely tied uh, to the underlying economy and not necessarily the commodity markets uh, as much. And you can see economically sensitive freight, uh, less of a tick up in the pre-holiday week than the overall carload markets. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast over the last month, you know what that means. And then in the holiday week, that, that dramatic uh, decline, that dramatic uh, fall off the table effect. Uh, we should bounce right back from it. Uh, again, we shall see. These are these economically sensitive shippers are the same shippers uh, that are more likely to have modal choice, that are more likely to be able to shift the balance between rail and truck. So uh, we will see uh, just how dramatically economically sensitive freight uh, returns coming out of the Thanksgiving holiday period. So let's Shift gears, let's talk about the bulk sectors. On the coal side of the house, it continues to just sort of slowly decline. There was not the dramatic holiday drop that you saw in other commodity groups. It's been a much gentler slope in the holiday week. Really, if you look over the last six weeks, we just had a, a gentle decline over the last uh, several weeks. We're now essentially right very close to the 2021 result uh, down below the five-year average. Uh, we don't see this uh, getting any sort of a bounce here toward the end of the year, but time will tell. It is certainly something that we will keep an eye on as coal, as the largest carload commodity by volume, certainly has an outsized effect on overall carload and how that, how that looks from a growth perspective. Going to the other major bulk sector, grain. Grain had a very nice, a very sharp uh, run-up in the pre-holiday week to its Highest level of 2022, up above 40,000 carloads a week. Uh, that is not something I saw coming. That's not something I think a lot of people uh, saw coming. Uh, but you have the combined effect of the harvest as well as ongoing issues on the Mississippi River as folks uh, are not able to move as much product by barge as they might have hoped this harvest season. And so that volume uh, instead moves by rail. We saw a, a dramatic holiday week decline. Nothing, though, Spectacular there. Nothing, though, uh, nothing at all different about what we would normally see uh, in a normal week for that, that it has a holiday in it. Uh, so we would expect to see grain volumes bounce back pretty quickly, uh, pretty dramatically as we go through the next week or so. Chemicals volume. Uh, this is one to keep an eye on. This is one... Uh, we've had a, a sort of gradual decline over the, the two weeks before the holiday, a much more dramatic decline in the holiday week. And this is also the sector most likely to be impacted by early embargoes uh, by the carriers as they prepare for a potential work stoppage next week. So we'll have to see just what kind of a recovery we get, if any, uh, in the chemicals market in the latest week of data. When we get that next Wednesday, uh, we will just have to see exactly how this how this bounces, it is possible, again, this might be one of those categories that has a delayed recovery from the holiday, that has a delayed recovery from Thanksgiving. It's something that we may hold at these 42, 43,000 carload a week levels for a little while until shippers are able to sort things out. Petroleum products, uh, still within its existing range, but definitely saw a dramatic pre-holiday run-up. The, the week before the holiday, we got above 21,000 carloads a week. It's been a while since we've been there. Uh, we haven't been there since right after the 4th of July. 
and then that is the only time uh, over the last year and a half uh, where we have seen that sort of a number. You have to go all the way back to the first quarter of 2021 as shippers were trying to uh, make up some of the lost volumes from the Texas freeze earlier in February to get a number that strong in petroleum products. So uh, it has been a while. It is certainly an outlier figure. Uh, it had a, a, tradip- a traditional uh, holiday week drop in, in the Thanksgiving week, essentially flat with 2021 levels, well off its five-year average. And we'll have to see what sort of a recovery we get uh, in the post-holiday period. Normally, you would see a seasonal uptick. You would expect to see volumes increase uh, over the next couple of weeks. We'll have to see. Again, this is a, a commodity group that would be affected by any sort of early embargoes on shipments uh, that the carriers feel the need to put out there uh, as the uncertainty about a, a work stoppage uh, looms larger in the windshield as we go through the next several weeks. So we will just have to uh, look at that and keep an eye on it. Stone, sand, and gravel. Uh, not much to say here. Uh, really, it just it pretty it was pretty flat in the pre-holiday week, and then took a a pretty normal decline for Thanksgiving, and we would expect to see that bounce uh, right back up to where it had been running, right about twenty-six thousand or so carloads a week uh, in the current week that we're in, as we start to uh, get away from the holiday. Lumber and wood, it saw a a, a nice uptick in the pre-holiday week, essentially back to where it had been running. Uh, right, just north of 6,000 carloads a week. Uh, then it took a very uh, sharp holiday week decline, down almost 1,000 carloads, down to 5,000 carloads a week in the last Thanksgiving holiday week. This is a sector that, again, we'll have to watch. Normally, you get a little bit of a bump between now and Christmas. I want to see if that materializes. Lumberwood has a lot of headwinds on it. When you think about housing, when you think about mortgage rates, when you think about mortgage applications and where those numbers have come in, over the last several weeks. The last week we had Avery Weiss on it. We talked about uh, some of the economic drivers of things. And one of the things he highlighted was the housing market. It was interest rates. This is not something we expect to go away. And we expect it to weigh on lumber and wood demand uh, to move volumes going forward as we think about 2023 and beyond. And further out, I, I would posit that there's probably a structural uh, lowering that's going to go on here in lumber and wood. If you think about uh, just beyond the housing market, if you think about the lumber itself and where it is sourced from, you have a structural shift going on in the lumber markets right now, away from uh, Western Canadian product, uh, particularly British Columbia product, toward Southern Yellow Pine. What does that mean? and Why is that important? Southern Yellow Pine comes out of the southeast. It moves into some of these high-growth areas like Texas and other parts of the southeast. Those are much shorter lengths of haul than something coming out of uh, British Columbia. And so that means that truck is going to be more competitive in the future. As you start to think about and calibrate your expectations for lumber and wood for 2024, 2025, in the back half of the decade, you're going to have to think about that structural shift and what that means for rail volumes, whether truck is going to have Uh, an ever-increasing share of this commodity over the longer term. Something to think about, something to to chew on, something to uh, mill over over the coming weeks about how you think about this commodity group uh, going forward. Pulp and paper, uh, this is pretty unexplainable, actually. Uh, It's coming off a low level. It, it, It increased even in the holiday week. And it, in fact, increased more dramatically in the holiday week than in the pre-holiday week. 
Uh, you would not expect that to be the case under uh, virtually any scenario. But we are coming off a very low level. We are bouncing off the bottom, as it were. Uh, we are basically, in the holiday week, back to where we were in 2021. Uh, still below the five-year average, still weak, still bouncing off the bottom, but certainly a potentially positive sign as we go through the next several weeks, and we will have to uh, watch this and see uh, where things go. Certainly, uh, we did not have it roaring back to last year's levels uh, in a holiday week of all things, uh, so we will keep an eye on that. Automotive volumes, uh, basically flat in the pre-holiday week, and then a, a, a holiday week decline, but still above last year, so we're not as bad as we had been as the automotive industry worked through its semiconductor issues, but we also haven't seen an inflection higher. We haven't seen the lapping of some of those issues as we go through as we go through the last several months. We don't expect that to resolve over the final month of 2022 either. We continue expect to continue to run right in this 22, 23,000 call it a week level that we've been at uh, for some time. So with that to wrap up, intermodal and Carlin really performed essentially seasonally. Uh, in the in the holiday week, nothing not a lot to see there, not a lot to infer from it, but a lot to think about in terms of the pre-holiday week, in terms of uh, what to how to think about how to calibrate your thinking over the last month, and obviously labor is going to be a key wild card in exactly uh, what we see happen in December. Certainly, any sort of disruption from labor, any sort of preemptive volume shifting that goes on by shippers, either of their own initiative or encouraged by the carriers to embargoes uh, is going to have an impact on, on volumes, potentially a significant impact on volumes over the next two weeks. So definitely keep your eye on that. Start thinking about what that looks like and what that means for the data as we go forward. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us this week. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving Day holiday. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Feel free to reach out to myself or any member of the FCR team if you ever have any questions about transportation. We love to talk about transportation. That is why we get up in the morning to talk about the industry and to explain the industry, to analyze the industry, and to hear what's going on in your businesses as well. Feel free to reach out at any point. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And with that, have a great week. I'll talk to you again next week. My name is always Todd Trenaski, the Vice President of Rail and Intermodal here at FCR, and your host for the State of Freight Rail Market Update podcast. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. That's it for this week's Rail Market Update on the State of Freight podcast. The Rail Market Update will be published each week along with a downloadable PDF of the presentation. If you find this transportation intelligence useful, please take a moment to give us a positive rating on your podcast platform of choice and send us your feedback by email at podcast.ftrintel.com. You can find more publicly available State of Freight content and download the PDF of today's presentation by going to www.ftrintel.com slash podcast. FTR is the leader in freight transportation forecasting in North America, providing consistently reliable reports for trucking, rail, and intermodal transportation, as well as providing demand analysis for commercial vehicle and rail car. For more information about the work of FTR, visit www.ftrintel.com or call us at 888-988-1699 to find out which publications will best support your business.